You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shotagizabi. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And if you have a look around the news coming out of the Southampton Football Club this week, not very much of it is enjoyable. Some of it is going to be pretty bad. We lost uh, at the weekend. We we have some fixture congestion uh, coming up in recent weeks that's going to cause us some trouble. We have lots of injuries. Uh, the financial records don't look good, but caveat, you know, COVID did have an impact, so maybe we shouldn't really worry about those all that much. Uh, it's not a normal year. Um, you know, we're dealing with the injuries, as we said. Well, Smallbone was injured at the weekend as well. Um, so if you're looking for a positive, um, Under Armour is out as the official kit supplier of the Southampton Football Club and Hummel have moved into that space. So I think um, that was a source of joy for a lot of people. And it's one of the things we'll talk about with this week's guest, Blaise Bourgeois. Uh, and Blaise is joining me from Mexico, but he's American and uh, he edits for One Football, which is uh, based out of Germany, but it's a it's a football website that you can get uh, lots of news if that's how you like to get your news. Um, so we'll talk about all that. I have lots of questions, and whenever there's somebody on the show for the first time, I'm always interested in the story. So we do spend some time there, especially because some of the things going on around Saints aren't all that exciting. They're not all that fun to talk about. So you know, maybe we're avoiding the real issue, but but we don't do that too much. So um, anyway, we'll talk to Blaze about how we became a Southampton fan, uh, about how we got. To to do the job that he's doing where he basically works remotely and all of that stuff. And we'll do all that. Talk about the Leicester city match and, um, and everything else. So uh, I hope that you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, so many people have reached out over the past couple of weeks. Um, I just want to say thank you to you. And um, if you are one of the people that's out there, that's, that's pursuing uh, whether you're writing, whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're doing whatever um, all I can say, if you're listening is, is do it and do the show that you want to do. And, you know, take feedback and, and take criticism and, and try to make your show better or try to make your writing better or whatever. But um, do the thing that you enjoy and, and yeah, just enjoy it while you have it. Because uh, sometimes, you know, there, there is a time when you won't be able to do it anymore for, for one reason or another. So uh, I, I hope that uh, I think there are people out there who will know who that message is directed to. So that's for you. Uh, for the rest of you, this show is for you. Thanks again for being here. We'll talk to you on the other side. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Blaise Bourgeois, uh, coming to you from Mexico. So welcome to the show, Blaise, and uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. How are you doing over there? 
I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's uh, it's been a lot of things going on Saints wise, but uh, I'm excited to talk to you, and uh, I hope that uh, I'm not keeping you from. I mean, if you if people don't follow you on Instagram, life looks like it's pretty, like it's pretty all right. So uh, hopefully, I'm not keeping you from anything too too nice before uh, you know we have to talk about a loss and everything else. It's sunny and 75 to 80 degrees every day over here. So if not today, tomorrow's always there, man. So I, I just, for people that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, about you because you do work in football. Um, and, and I said to you off, off record, like my life and your life could not be more different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, I've had to tell the kids, like threaten them with an inch of their life. Like, you know, do not say anything during the next, 45 minutes give me give me you know give me some time so we'll see i'm sure it won't take long the dogs will bark and everything else but um you know you you're an american i think right you're from america yes. originally uh and I'm at some point you decided i'm moving and i'm gonna i mean you you're an editor for one football uh and you're just gonna i, I mean i don't even know what exactly it is that you do so why don't you kind of just just lay it out there for me Okay, so yeah, um, I'm an editor at One Football, which is a company based in Berlin, Germany. I do their overnight shift remotely. Uh, so my time over here, Central Time, I'm in Sayulita, West Coast of Mexico. Uh, I work 4 to 11 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, I'm writing articles, I'm scheduling app notifications i'm running the front end of the app uh, all from wherever i want and well, since november 2019 i have been living outside the united states and was that just uh i mean so what how did that work did it come the job can let will let me work anywhere so i'll go somewhere or um, I want to go somewhere, so I'll look for this job. Or how did that how did that kind of work out? So it was kind of a little of both. Um, I had a taste of the remote life back in summer 2018 when the World Cup was going on. I went to Brazil, which uh, was supposed to be a five week trip, while still doing my my day job, so to speak. And I ended up, you know, after the World Cup was over, like, why would I go home? I'm kind of comfortable over here. Uh, the cost of living is way less, even with paying a rent payment back home. Um, so I just spent a total of three months over there and then uh, spent a month in London after that before coming home. And yeah, it had always been on my mind to, to go back on the road kind of permanently. And uh, there's a series of events, you know, of course, in addition to the political climate going on in the U.S. and uh, just a number of factors uh, kind of made it make more sense to live outside the U.S. I mean, financially, I'm a poker player as well, so uh, I want to be playing in casinos live all over the world and get, get a taste of playing styles everywhere, and plus football culture outside the U.S. is really important to me. So um, I did a little test run on my 30th birthday, which was August of 2019. Like, okay, I'll do a month. If I'm feeling better than I do at home, I'm just going to go for it. And I did, 
And I spent the last year in South America, in Chile, Peru, Colombia. Uh, and then, yeah, since the middle of last month, I've been in Mexico. So, I mean, that sounds uh, insane just to me. Just, just kind of go like, let's just see. So uh, I'm guessing you speak at least Spanish. Um, I did Spanish in like from seventh grade until 12th grade uh, growing up and then a little bit in college and then a little bit of the New York City restaurant industry. Um, so I dabbled here and there, but yeah, for the last, yeah, since I've been gone, so it's been a total of 14 months, uh, yeah, you get to learn you know, Spanish and the best way to learn Spanish or any other language is just experience being out on the street day to day uh picking up the local slang too uh, yeah it's definitely a work in progress still um i got the duolingo going every so often i should be studying more but i'm not um yeah. but for my job as well i do write about chivas in america every day so i am translating articles as well so my reading comprehension is up there uh and it could be a more or it could be a less touristy town over here. It's not the most touristy place, but if you wanted to speak only English every day over this way, at least in the media area, you could okay. and get away with it. But for me, um, important things like food and directions, I'm, I've got down like 100%. Okay. All right. Well, the important stuff, at least. you'll, you'll, you'll make Yeah, it. I mean, if... If you follow me on social media, you'll know how big of a foodie I am. Uh, and I'm actually planning to set up a, a little uh, buffalo chicken grill down here just to experiment with that life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and just so people know, One Football, um, they, they can find it. We'll put the link in the show notes if people are interested. Uh, Chivas and America are two of the biggest teams, especially up this way. A lot of people follow them. Uh, and you like one or the other. Yeah, there's no in between. Yeah. So, uh, well, well aware of that. But um, yeah, you got to, that's, that's a heck of a shift, 4 to 11. Uh, it's actually not bad. You get to wake up whenever you want. You get to uh, you know, enjoy the sunshine every single day. Like over here, I'm on a three or four minute walk to the beach. Uh, I've still, yeah, I'm 31, but I still kick a soccer ball around most days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can even go on a day trip and still have time to come back, uh, catch up on all the football that uh, was going on earlier in the day, or just stop by a sports bar on, on the way back. And yeah, it's actually really comfortable. Yeah. So, I mean, how doing all this, obviously you went through school in the United States, you have an advanced degree. Mm -hmm. um, you're not just, you, know, you didn't just decide to start writing about football. Like it's something you actually kind of, you've been working towards. So just so everybody kind of knows there's a lot of work that goes into, I mean, your life sounds amazing, but it's not all, it's not all fun and games, right? Um, no, it's definitely not all fun and games. I, it's funny. I actually never intended on being a journalist of any sort. I went to school for mathematics and computer science, uh, early on. And then, uh, for my master's program at St. John's, I did uh, sport management with a focus in sports analytics, uh, with the original goal being to be uh, doing player transfers, or at least in that general area of a team in any sport, or being in Vegas or 
being in charge of a poker room and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and and so I guess through all of that, how how did you wind up a Saints supporter? Because I mean, especially like Saints are, are important to me and they stand out for a lot of reasons, but you're you're gonna be exposed to so much more doing the job that you do. It could it would have been very easy to depict some, you know, even even I guess uh more niche team somewhere in Hungary or something, or right? uh, you know, whatever. So how how did Saints happen? So it's a funny story. Um so right before NBC Sports got the uh got the rights to show all twenty teams free. Uh, before that, obviously, we had limited soccer options in the United States. But once the news came out, uh, once they revealed that you know next season uh, you're going to have access to any Premier League team you want, uh, at the time I was supporting United, but it wasn't like I didn't feel it in my heart. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not one to support like big big clubs, and this. Uh, so what happened was I, I was on Christmas break in college and I put my place up on couch surfing because I had two empty rooms in my apartment and a couple of kids from Southampton decided to take a free room and enjoy the Christmas and New Year's holiday near New York City. Uh, about an hour north in Westchester County at a school called Sydney Purchase. So they ended up being totally fine, uh, shacking on a college campus, in an empty college campus, and they pretty much put me on. Uh, they were big, huge Southampton supporters. They uh, put me on, on the academy system, you know, the style of play. It was super fast on the wings. Uh, and of course, Ricky Lambert. Uh, in its prime back then. Uh, well, that's kind of how it came about. We were there for about 10 days and then kind of just did a whole bunch of research in and YouTube in for the next few months after that and got myself ready for the upcoming season. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a roller coaster after that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so after that point, like what, what, what does a normal match day look like now for you? Are you able to watch the games? Because here in the United States, like still you said, uh, NBC has great coverage. Uh, what's the coverage like in Mexico of the team? So obviously there's plenty of illegal streaming out there. So you can watch a game whenever you want. And the internet quality uh, allows that out here. Uh, and there's still plenty of games on TV. But being... You know, in football, working five days a week, just being surrounded by sports. Uh, I admittedly do not watch every week, and I think that's mainly like a mental health thing. Like, I will go for a weekend trip and completely disconnect uh, from football. But uh, I say I watch about 20 of the 38 games a week or a year, I would say. Uh, normal match day, uh, considering how late my shift goes, a lot of times 11 or 11 p.m., midnight, maybe a little after. Um, there are often times I set my alarm and I am awake five minutes before kickoff and I'll just watch on my tablet or on my phone half asleep. Sometimes, you know, with the later kickoffs, um, I have. I'll go down to a sports bar if it's on uh, 
if it's one of the nationally televised games, there's a couple bars around here that has some American packages, and it's kind of like that wherever you go, Columbia, um, wherever. Okay. And yeah, you, uh, kind of low-key, it's not like I do anything special for match days. I throw on my shirt, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll be the only Southampton supporter in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's a conversation hundred percent sure. of the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, if we're playing against a big team, especially a big six team, you know, it's good to have some banter going on yeah. and be the only one going nuts when everybody else is pissed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds, it sounds uh, familiar, I should say. Um, <laughs> and and you, you, you pointed to the Jersey at that point. Nobody will see that, but uh, I'll just point it out. You, you did that. Um, and, and we're, we're going to be, you know, without Under Armour after this year that was just announced today. We're recording Monday, uh, Monday afternoon, uh, U.S. time. I think uh, people in the U.K. may very well be asleep at this point. But um, Hummel is going to come in for for a five year deal. We're ending the Under Armour deal early. Uh, there was some talk that they're looking to to back more uh, individual athletes rather than teams. And I and I would say that you know. I I really wanted the Under Armour thing to go well, given that it's an American company. It could have given the the them a little bit more of a leg up here in the United States in terms of a fan base and stuff, but it, it hasn't really worked. Um, the, the kits have been okay. I, I think at, at best uh, there's been supply issues. And then of course we had the stuff this year with uh, you know, the new sponsor and then the, the ones they have in the shop now are not even official Under Armour gear. So uh, to say it, it's gone well would be a lie. Um, but for you, are you, are you looking forward to the new deal or is it just, I think just, it's a fresh start with a company that's, that's had some history, uh, that has produced some nice kits for the club. Uh, I can't pretend to understand or know the, all the history behind it because I wasn't around. Uh, in fact, I think I was two when it started and, and six when it ended. So, um, you know that, but the pictures look nice and, and I'm excited to see, you know, some of the more recent things that they've done. So, uh, I guess what are just your feelings on it as we kind of head towards, uh, uh, I, I guess new, new pastures. So I'm a huge kit guy, so I probably own between 100 and 150 kits at the moment. Uh, I travel with about 20 uh, at all times, so this is right up my alley. Uh, honestly, I won't be happy until Kappa is sponsoring Southampton. <laughs> but honestly, um, Hummel is one of those companies where it really depends which direction they want to go in. Hummel can produce those simple, really classy shirts. Uh, for example, like Everton's home shirt this year, it's beautiful. Um, and they can also go with completely outrageous designs, like what they do with Ford Madison, uh, the USL League One team in Wisconsin. Uh, so they've proven that they are capable of producing really good kits. But for example, with Everton, the home kit, it's gorgeous. They're away in their third kit. Um, it's not that great. Um, yeah, like the Ford Madison shirts, they're all gorgeous. Uh, the third shirt is outstanding. It's one that I really want to have to their collection. And if there's anybody from Ford Madison listening, like, hook me up, please. Um, but... The majority of Hummel's designs are actually disappointing. If you look, um, there's a couple websites where you can go online. You can look at like every single shirt like Hummel produces right now. Um, 
for example, if you look at Freiburg shirts this year, um, aside from the away shirt, it's a disaster. Like, and even with their away shirt, the sponsor logo, like plastered on there, just makes the whole shirt look like a mess. So, okay, I'm not sure how it's gonna work out. I would love to see, ideally, like a really classy home shirt. Um, kind of similar to what they did this year. Uh, and then like to go so crazy with our away or a third shirt, like something radical that I know they have the capability to do, but, um, it doesn't always work out. Yeah. And sometimes I think, you know, you got to have one classic and it, it, for us, it should be the home shirt. I think, I think the, the home shirt has to stay kind of consistent and be kind of not, almost iconic. And then if you want to have a go at, at doing something wild with, with the second or the third, fine. Um, and, and, but that's always going to split the fan base. You know, it's never going to be, I don't think you're going to have, even if it, it is really well done, there's always going to be people who don't necessarily like something about it. And I'm, I'm that way. And I, mm-hmm. I, I have a, you know, from, I think my favorite shirt that Under Armour did was the year that we went to the League Cup final, uh, the black the yeah, away shirt that year, the with black and gray. I think that's my favorite uh mostly because it fits mm-hmm. the best um the neckline's nice uh some of the that's a tight ones. shirt yeah yeah that's a um, very tight fitting shirt which i do appreciate you know when i haven't been eating 10 empanadas a day <laughs> I, I i actually own that shirt too um i have my gabbiadini black and gray uh it is also one of my favorite shirts as well um yeah, the one I'm wearing now, uh, the Virgin Media shirt uh, with the vertical stripes, that's okay. Um, I do like the this year. I'm glad that um, we have the sports bet sponsor instead of uh, JD, because the JD logo is horrendous on it. Um, yeah. Even though they were giving this club more money. Yeah, it's still it's still a trainer. I I've I've taken a, a fairly um extreme stance. On, I I won't buy the shirt with the sports bet logo, but um it's it, it's okay. It's all right. Um I got nothing against you playing poker. Right. I, I admire that. <laughs> <laughs> um but I guess let's let's move on and let's talk a little bit about the match. Um so I mean going into Leicester City, going to play that team, of course the <laughs> it's all good is that a fire alarm it's a fire alarm it's okay the house isn't burning down alright all right. wait it out yeah Slight interruption, but um, we're, we're going to get ready to talk about the, uh, the match with Leicester City and just the lineup that was put out there by Ralph. Um, McCarthy, Kyle Walker-Peters, Jan Badnerak, Jack Stevens, Ryan Bertrand. No real surprises there. Um, Diallo in for Romeu. Ward-Prowse, Armstrong, Smallbone, I think, was the uh, maybe the surprise. And then Walcott and Adams were, were obviously um, been hit with some injuries. If you look down at the, uh, at the subs, there's Forster and Long. Uh, and Lindulu is somebody that people might might recognize. Vokens is there. Valerie's there. Uh, and then kids that I've never heard of, other than they were also there a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
So, I mean, was that for you? I mean, it's always going to be tough going into Leicester City, a team that uh, can almost be given, um, you know, we could just consider them part of the top six at this point, almost, you know, they get honorary status. Um, and, and the, you know, they're going to they're gonna give us a game. They're going to play tough. Um, so were you surprised really with, with what was there? Or, were, or I guess just looking at the result, are you okay with the result given the resources that we have and, and the way that we played? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Leicester deserved to win the match over the weekend. Um, there's a huge difference uh, when we have this many injuries between uh, the team that Leicester had put out and the team we're able to put out. Like our, our depth has been a problem for a little bit. You know, no Ings, no Redmond, no Romeo. Um, and we've proven that we can't really score if these big guns are out. We've, uh, Southampton scored just one goal in their last five games combined after previously only being shut out during the first two games of the season. So um, the lack of depth is showing, and it only got worse with Smallbone doing his ACL, which is a big shame considering his growth over the last 12 months, especially. Um, but yeah, the scoreline 2-0, um, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, you know, Jack Stevens had a big giveaway early in the match that really should have been punished by Vardy. Um, when, when Madison scored his goal uh, a minute before that, uh, Vardy could have scored again, um, which was, and uh, Stevens was a little at fault for the Madison goal as well. But I mean, just an absolute belter to hit. Like, yeah. Beautiful goal. Um, but yeah, Armstrong could have scored with his ambitious effort that rattled the bar. Barnes could have smashed uh, his effort into the empty net in the second half. Uh, Vardy got denied a, se a second time late in the match, so um, I don't think any Southampton supporter could have said we deserve three points on the day or even one point. Um, but yeah, it could have been 3-0, 4-0, 4-1. Uh, yeah. So 2-0, um, given the circumstances, not the worst results. Uh, Bednarik was a beast out there. Um, if if Stevens had been playing at his normal level, maybe the game's a little different. But um, I think the best they could have hoped for yesterday was a nil-nil or a one-one, where McCarthy makes seven or eight saves. So not the worst result. They move on into a very uh, congested schedule over the next month. Yeah, I would say that you know through the first half we came out, we played well. Both teams kind of went at it. And, and I think the same thing shows up for us uh, over recent matches where we we're just not creating good goal scoring opportunities. We we've benefited so much from guys like Danny Ings finishing chances that shouldn't be finished. Um, I think, you know, the athletic uh, phrased it, you know, we've been the most efficient. And I think that maybe paints the wrong picture because um, you, you, yeah, I don't yeah, consider yeah, Nathan like, Redmond a very efficient scorer. You know, we're not putting these guys in, in, in good goal scoring opportunities. We, we, we've lacked, you know, creating these what we call big chances um, no. and, and things like that. And our XG for, I think, I don't think we've had one over one since Sheffield United, which is, is just too, that's not good enough, you know? 
Um, and, and so when, when you're missing guys like Ings and stuff, uh, then you are going to struggle because it, he's not putting away those chances because he's not there. And, and Adams and those guys are not, are not the same. So um, the first 45 minutes, I'd say we were fine. I think to go into the halftime, maybe down uh, a little unlucky. Stevens has to do better. He didn't have a great game, as you said. Uh, he got ruled by Madison. Um, and, you know, there, there is maybe there, there's a foul in the buildup there, but we had, we had chances to clear it. Uh, I think the most frustrating thing is Diallo then gets booked for the, for basically committing the exact same foul just a, a few minutes yeah, later. Okay. Uh, so that is frustrating, but, um, you know, the, like you said, the ball, the ball was absolutely blasted from point blank range. And I don't really know what McCarthy's supposed to do. I think, I think if we're going to stop that goal, it's got to happen before it ever gets to that point. Right. Um, if, if, if Stevens can get the right side of Madison and just shuttle the ball out for a throw or for a goal kick, I think that's one way it can happen. Um, yep. if we just get the ball all the way clear, the, the two or three chances we had, I think that's fine. But, um, you know, I was, I was messaging somebody during the second half when we were pushing forward and still not creating, uh, very good chances, but definitely trying and, and, and piling forward. And that's what Leicester city want. They, they're going to hit you on the break. They have a, a ton of pace and, uh, at, at different points, it was different guys sliding in to try to block shots and stuff like that. Ward Prowse at one point, uh, it's it's usually one defender and one midfielder and and whoever else trying to get back. So um, the fact that it was either I thought it was either end one one or it's going to end two nothing uh, or or more, you know, and and that's just kind of the game we were playing at that point because it doesn't really matter if you lose by one or lose by two. Um, you know, we're trying to get a point, and that's I, I, I'm okay with the whole thing. I think I didn't even ask you a question, so I apologize. Yeah, no, that's all right. Leicester's just on a different class. Like, they have Soyuncu and Ahia Nacho and Ayozi Perez coming off the bench. Any of those guys uh, would be day in, day out, starting 11 at Southampton. You know, even Sengiz Under, who didn't even play. Amarty, uh, who we've been linked to in the past. Uh, you know, he's a guy that would fit in. Uh, but it's also the way that Ralph puts out his level, like a flat four in the midfield uh, with usually two defensive-minded or more defensive-minded midfielders in the center of the park. You know, Romeo Diallo, Ford Krauss, it doesn't exactly scream creativity in the midfield. So when you get a team like Leicester who can just overpower you attacking-wise, you are going to be overly dependent on a counterattack where you have uh, Danny Ings coming up with uh, a wonder goal or Stuart Armstrong hitting the ball from 20, 25 yards or a Ward Prowse free kick or uh, Che Adams or Theo getting slipped in uh, behind. So uh, it's, it was always going to be a difficult matchup, especially being shorthanded and the yeah, I guess you just like on the chin, move on to the next one. Yeah, uh, just just to point out, just hammer home one more time. None of the shots that we had had an xG of point one or greater. All of them were under that, according to Understat, which is it's just it just says. I mean, in, I mean, Madison's was was only point zero eight here, but they had other others that were point three seven, point four one, point five two, point one five. They had they had the better of the opportunities, which I don't think you you can really really argue with and and some of those did come late when they were playing on the break which is what like we said what they want but um you, you mentioned the small bone injury and we've already kind of experienced the what these injuries can do you look at the bench and you go okay like you know they were going to see how how deep this playbook runs and and how well the guys have been working which is you know uh, i'm okay with having these guys come in and struggle that's just kind of where we're at um at this point um of course people are going to want 
um, you know, more money to be pumped in. And, and but we're not the type of club that's going to go out in, in January and buy a bunch of these players. That you know, that's not how this team is set up. And I'm I'm I've accepted that. I, I and I'm I guess I'm okay with that. But it's not always going to be pretty. Um, no, but that's always the Southampton way. You know, they've always run into these problems, at least recently, where. Uh, they don't really have enough depth, and you know it's next man up uh, from the academy to onward down. And part of being a Southampton fan is loving to see those completely inexperienced kids get way too many minutes. And <laughs> can they can they prove themselves? Uh, you know, will there be another Ward Prowse coming through? Or yeah, uh, Dan. I can't pronounce his last name yet. Just call him Dan. Yeah, yeah, Dan, you know, he gets like a half hour yesterday and it, it's never going to be a game where he goes out there miraculously scores a brace. So it's kind of unfair to him uh, getting thrown into that kind of situation. But yeah, it, it, it's part of supporting this team, uh, putting a lot of trust in unproven characters and uh, seeing what they can do, and uh, we're going to see a lot of that probably in the next game or two, especially mm-hmm. tomorrow against Shrewsbury. Yeah, yeah. So uh, people may be listening either just before or maybe even they're listening after. It just depends on on what your your podcast schedule uh, looks like. But um, you would expect to see that. Uh, I think Ralph spoke today. He said, "Look, some of these guys, some of these normal guys, are going to have to play because we don't have alternatives, um, and then and then we will bring in the." Uh, the kids where we can and so you would expect uh, Shane Long is not a kid but you would expect Shane Long to probably come in and, and Adams to be given a rest maybe Lundelu actually gets uh, a start up top you you would imagine Fraser Forster uh, probably uh, probably Vokens if if he's, yep. if he's fit to go Valerie on the other side and then um, if we get through this and we play again on Saturday I would then expect uh, Bertrand to come in on the left because he'll be out for the uh, the league match against Arsenal because he picked up that yellow card. So, um, but he's going to need the rest anyway. I mean, he's, uh, he is, he is my age and I hurt watching him play <laughs> because I just can't do that. Um, but I mean, and going back from there, I, I, I can't imagine we're going to have, you know, two Academy center backs in there. So you figure Stevens and Bednarak probably can do some more game time together. They're going to be getting a ton of it. Uh, now, but but better to, to to work on things against Shrewsbury than against Arsenal, um, in my opinion. And and I guess the real question is in the middle of the park. You know, is Ward Prowse ever going to take a day off? Um, because he's just been ever present there in the middle. Uh, it's tough, um, given you know the fixture condition coming up, and the fact that Southampton are already shorthanded, and there's. A lot of guys in need of rest. A lot of youngsters that are in need of game time. Uh, Shrewsbury is not a walkover whatsoever. Um, this is a game that, if it ends up uh, tied after 90 minutes, I'm not going to be super surprised. I don't think Southampton have... Uh, the capability to three or even four nil a team of Shrewsbury's stature at the moment. Um, so it could get pretty chippy with them. Uh, there's going to be a lot of kids, just like Bokins, who are going to be playing 
maybe a little nervously trying to prove themselves and try to get that start for the Arsenal uh, Arsenal match coming up. Uh, so I think it's going to be a little bit testy. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with Shrewsbury to see what uh, what Ralph wants to do with Bertrand being out, whether he wants to start Bokins, tweak something up, and if Vestergaard can get healthy before that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure on the uh, on Vestergaard exactly when or how long he's expected to be out, and it's you know it, it's just unfortunate that we've been hit with these because you look at that spot. Vestergaard's been a, a surprise this season, I think, to a lot of people, um, but we miss we've been missing his passing as well because. Uh, Stevens is fine with the ball on the floor, playing balls into Ward Prowse or, or Diallo or even into to one of the center forwards. Um, but he doesn't quite have that same uh, long diagonal that Vestergaard has been able to absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, he's been able just to to destroy that ball in terms of it's it's on a line. It's not lofted. Um, it's and Walker Peters has been you know get to the run to the spot, bring it down, and, and do that well. When Stevens does it, it tends to be a little bit more kind of lobbed out there and it gives the defense just that extra second or, or, or whatever to, to get over and get into position. So uh, it's not quite the same. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate that from Vestergaard. So hopefully he gets back uh, relatively soon. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know when people are going to listen to this and I don't know anything about Shrewsbury. So I'm not going to pretend that, you know, there, as far as I know, they're in league one. Definitely. You know, we, we, I mean, we saw what Portsmouth did. They gave us a scare there for a minute. Um, so, you know, you got to go out and beat whoever's in front of you. So please just go do that. Um, do it preferably in, in normal time, right? I don't really want an extra 30 minutes on these guys. Um, I don't know if my heart can take a, a penalty shootout at this point. So it's, uh, it, it's going to be, I guess it, it'll only be what it is, but uh, hopefully we get, we get the job done and, and then we'll move on to, to worry about Arsenal twice in a, in a matter of a few days, if that's the case. So, um, there were a couple of other things, just off-field issues, uh, you know, that we should at least touch on. Um, the the club's financial report was released for 2019-2020, uh, um, so that 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 year ended in June, at the end of June. Upon first reading, doesn't look great, um, but I think for me, just looking at it, I think context is key. Uh, it's the middle of a pandemic; part of the season hadn't been played yet. Uh, but what was your uh, I, I give a lot of credit to the guys at the Price of Football. I, I, I mean, I listen to the show. Uh, I read the books. I, I like them a lot. I still am not going to pretend to be some sort of a, you know, spreadsheet master. But what was your initial reading of the uh, of the report in terms of how did it strike you when you when you saw the numbers? I mean, honestly, I'm not going to jump into the financial situation too much. It's a tired subject. I've had to write about it for virtually every team for the first for like the last 10 months. <laughs> Obviously, the situation isn't good. Right. But at the moment, only four other clubs that played the Prem last year have published their reports. And when the other clubs published their 2020 figures, uh, Southampton's situation is probably going to look slightly better. Mm-hmm. But everybody, like everyone's having a tough time. Right? Yeah. Um, Southampton fans, I feel they should be very optimistic. You know, we've still had the capital and uh, the wherewithal to renew some of our contracts. Uh, we're not exactly in any sort of uh, real contract turmoil right now, like really rushing to get 
uh, renewals done anywhere. Um, it's unknown territory at the end of the day. And it's like that for every facet of business and life. And yeah, nobody knows. You don't know. I don't know. Uh, governments don't know. Scientists don't know what's going to happen in the next six months, 12 months, 24 months. Uh, the whole football world's been hit by this. And unfortunately, it's one of those things where they can try to plan and try to get creative to try to bring in a few more fans here and there. Uh, we might be able to get, you know, anywhere from four to 10,000 fans coming in soon to get those gate receipts up. But just like everything COVID related, I think we just have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise, obviously, that match day revenue is down, right? Like the people weren't able to go half the time. So what do you want them to do? Uh, I think they've come to terms with that again for this season. They've, they've started to offer rebates for people who have season tickets. If you're not playing matches, obviously, uh, people are going to want things to, to change if you're not being able to um, you know, put people in seats because then you know that's the contract that you've signed. Broadcast revenue, same thing. They had to give a rebate back to, uh, to, the, to the broadcaster. So there's a lot of things that say, you know, this isn't going to be great. And if you look kind of at where, I mean, it's not that far below what we were at 2019 or 2018. And, and you realize that, you know, it's just, it, it is the pandemic. We're not, we're not a team that's, that's living outside of our means by any case. Um, that said, we don't bring in a lot of money. Um, you know, we're one of these teams that if you look, we are towards the, uh, towards the bottom of the revenue stream. And, and that has to do with, with, you know, the, the deals that we've signed, that has to do with, you know, there has to be demand for it. But I think under Ralph, the, the football we're playing is better, which means we will be on TV more, which means we will actually, uh, you know, tend to be to, to gain a little bit more money from that. So it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll come back uh, a little bit because I think we'll see uh, an increase as we go. But it just doesn't look great right now. I mean, the wage bill hasn't gone up. It hasn't spiked terribly. Uh, it, it's been broadly level for about four years now. Um, but of course, if your revenue drops, then it, it jumps to a higher percentage. So I think sometimes upon first reading it, it is, it is kind of shocking, but, uh, it, it is, you know, it, it's, it's a result of the pandemic and it sucks, but, uh, we just kind of have to, to go with it as it is. I mean, our wage bill, um, is about the middle of the premier league, which I think we would have all, you know, said is about right. I think. Yeah. And Southampton also don't have the advantage of having, any superstar young player that they can sell tomorrow for 30, 40 million. Uh, really, only big money assets that we do have probably are Ings and Vestergaard. And if you remove either of those guys from the team, it's probably going to end up costing the team more in the long run than the fee they're going to receive. And it's yeah, we're shorthanded already. We have a lack of depth already. It, it just wouldn't make sense. So from a financial standpoint, they just have to, you know, wait for, you know, fans to come back and for money to come in and hope that they can lure some sponsors. But, you know, people at home, you know, your average Joes, they're struggling. Uh, businesses are struggling. Everybody's struggling. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it is what it is. And, uh, we just got to kind of wait and, uh, see what happens. See if, uh, 
see if the FA wants to step up and, uh, you know, give money to all the clubs in the EFL or, you know, something has to probably end up being done. This ends up lasting another six, well, 18 months to sustain the football. Uh, and, and just there, there was a, a fairly substantial loan taken out, uh, 78 million pounds, uh, payable, repayable by 2025. Um, the, I mean, the it could get expensive given the interest rate is above nine percent. But um, at that point, when it was taken, it's just it's operating capital for this point, just to keep things flowing. Um, and and it, it's not once again, it's not something that I, I think we should be overly concerned about. Unfortunately, you know, it could co- cost upwards of one hundred thirty-five million pounds if you if you kind of work that out over over the whole term and. Um, hopefully we're better than that. Hopefully we pay that down a little bit as we go. So, so, uh, save us a little bit, but, um, you know, basically, basically 17, 7.2 million, uh, pounds a year in interest on that loan. So, um, you know, hopefully we're better than that. It's not credit credit card rates, but, uh, I wouldn't want to take out a loan at that percentage if I could, if I could help it, you know, uh, I would not either, uh, but we're not the only ones. Right. So across the board, um, I think as far as non-top tier clubs go, it's going to be kind of level. Yeah. Uh, so it is what it is, essentially, and uh, just gotta keep playing decent football. Yeah. Oh, and, the meantime, and I think there is some credit to the team for doing this early, um, because it's it, you put yourself out there. If you wait, you know, you wait for a big news week, and then you just kind of slip it out into the radar. Um, you know that that's a that's a nicer thing to do if you're trying to hide something. Um, they were early with their accounts. Um, they know they're not great, and yet I think we'll see as other teams come out. Like you said, um, I think things are going to be broadly similar across that. And if we start looking at clubs that we are trying to compete with uh, in, in the table and where we see ourselves, I think you know things are likely to be about there. That said, um, you know, the sales for Reed and Hoiberg will show up next year. Um, and, and still some of these guys that were purchased under the previous regime are still ruining us. Um, you know, we didn't get, uh, any money for Carrillo. Um, it, it's things like that, that just, it's not great. Um, but we, we have to live with those because that's, that's the way it works. If you, you sign, you sign under that contract, you, that's a contract. You have to pay it out, uh, as it goes. But, um, we got a couple of listener questions here, uh, and then I'll, I'll let you get on to enjoying the sunshine a little bit. Um, I'm going to mess this name up so badly. Uh, Sabello Nakwayana uh, at Planet X E R O Y T. I don't know if you know him, Blaze. I, I do not, but he says the team has been brilliant, but it's clear that we lack a player who can either pick a pass that will split a defense or create a moment of magic that you could dras- that could drastically change a game. Someone like we had when we had Tadic. Uh, do you think we should finally replace him or not? And I'll just caveat this by saying I don't think we're going to replace him, especially not this window, but is that the type of player that we are missing? You, you, you spoke of the kind of the lack of creativity in the midfield. And I think our wide number tens uh, are, are not really creating all that much at this moment. Um, but, but what, what, what's the answer there you think? Well, uh, first I want to preface it by just saying, given the aforementioned financial climate, it's just going to be tough to player like Hattage's quality right now without selling a player of, Danny Ings, their Vestergaard's quality. And of course, you know, if you want to sell a big, important player like that and bring in a new guy, it's a gamble. You don't want 
to offload one of your big guns and say, bring in another Carrillo, you know, uh, that could happen. That being said, uh, I don't think that is the biggest issue Southampton has right now. I think finding some more uh, creativity in the center of the park, uh, a player that will want to attack more in the center of the park is probably a bigger, uh, bigger deal. Um, but as far as our wingers go, I think we got to give Genepo some time. Is it going to be the next Sadio Mane or Dusan Tadic? No, but he does have, you know, glimpses of that special something. And I think he's got to, you know, have three or four good games in a row and get some confidence and stay healthy. Hopefully, Ralph can squeeze the quality out of him. He's having a fantastic year at Celtic. He's got 12 goals and five assists in 26 games uh, from the wing, which are striker numbers. And, you know, you can say, yeah, Celtic, um, Scottish Premiership, so weaker league. Uh, but he's had Europa League experience and he scored against AC Milan. He scored a brace against Leo. That's a number one team in Italy. That's the second best team in France right now. And you bring in a guy like that next year, you recall him. He's full of confidence. He still has another two years under his uh, on contract. Uh, he could deput- he's also very versatile. He can deputize up stock. As a striker, put him on either wing. You can put him pretty any position from midfield up. Uh, he will probably be our biggest incoming player next. Uh, and then we'll look at a guy like Redmond, who sell for 10, 15 ish million. You want to see a guy like that do well. And if he's not putting up the attacking numbers, he's too important to the glue of the team off the pitch. He's obviously a locker room guy. Uh, he's guys that um, are more important than just the numbers. So you want to see him still stick with the team. Kind of like Shane Long. I mean, Shane Long's best years are way behind him. But having a guy like that, 34 years old, really experienced, and, and just a big locker room guy, yeah, you pay him for that uh, that assistance and keeping it together. So, yeah, we definitely do, we definitely don't have the resources, and it's definitely not time to replace Tadic still with somebody of his quality. All right, uh, one one last one for sure, you. Sure, I never had the pleasure of really watching this guy play uh, a ton, but. Um... Do you have a favorite South American saint? I looked through, I'll, so, I'll be honest, I had to look through the Wikipedia when, list and I came up with one from Brazil. So, other than Goli de Prado, I got no. Well, one. yeah. So, so I have actually, when I heard this question get asked, I actually had to think to myself, like, what players from South America have Southampton ever actually had? who played a significant amount of time. And there's really only two. It's Aguido Prado and Don Ramirez are really, they are the only two 
players to play more than 25 games. So from a equality standpoint, uh, Ramirez just had so much potential. And he still does, but now 30, 31 years old, and his, his window was just up. He was really, really close to being a but yeah, he was a humongous part of those back-to-back promotions, and he's a legend, so you got to go goalie. Yeah, I think it has to be goalie to Prado, and um, I think um, you hear anybody talk about him. I think uh, Trevor talked about it uh, on, Trevor Foy talked about it on the Total Saints podcast. It's, he's just a guy that everybody remembers fondly, and I think we'll... Uh, I think that's the right answer there. Um, and you, you mentioned Gaston Ramirez. Um, I remember him from following the team early, early on, and still learning. And he was he was supposed to be really good, and he just kind of never quite, um, never quite did it at Saints. But he's he's moved on, and he'll he'll be all right. But um, Blaze, I just want to say thank you, man. Like this has been an, it, just I don't know what what portion of this people will hear, um, but I've enjoyed this a, a lot, and I'm glad I, I finally got to talk to you. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I just, I, I wish you the best as you, as you live your life and, um, good luck in, in the poker rooms and, and, and editing and everything else and just and enjoy yourself. And, and thanks for doing this. Hey, no problem. Much appreciated. Anytime. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, come to Sayulita, man. Uh, weather's great. Uh, pretty cheap living out here. Uh, the coronavirus situation is very good over here. Uh, nobody's wearing masks. No, there's no cases over here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good seafood, good times, nice beach. Yeah. No complaints here, man. If, if people would just want a little taste of, 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 of what your life looks like, uh, and not, that doesn't capture it all, but, but follow you on Instagram and the links are in the show notes for people to do that. Um, the food looks good. Uh, the haikus are great. And uh, great. Generally, you just look like you're having a really good time. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot, man. And and we'll do this again. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. I originally recorded the intro and uh, this portion of the show before I talked to Blaze, but um, because there were, I will say, some distractions on my end, uh, I was a little bit worried about him living next to the main thoroughfare in his uh, in the Mexican village that he lives in. Um, but instead, the fire alarms and everything else came from my house, not his. So um, sorry about that. Hope that you enjoyed it. I don't know how much I'll be able to edit out because I'm on a tight timeline here. But anyway, I hope that you enjoyed it. A special thanks to Blaze for joining the show. If you want to follow him, the links, just his name, at his name on Twitter and Instagram, at Blaze Bourgeois. But uh, the links are in the show notes so you can get there relatively easily. Um, follow along. It's a fun time, and uh, I, can't, I can't say that enough. If you want to follow this show on social media while you're there, you can do that. We are at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. If you don't want to worry about all that, you just want to find the show and maybe drop a message or, or a question, you can do that at SouthamptonDelivery.com, where you can also sign up to the newsletter that comes out each and every Friday. The show would not be possible without the partners of the show, so shout out to 
the Southampton page who keeps me up to date with everything going on around the club and the Saints Archive who help make sure that I understand the history so I don't make myself look like a fool, like mistake Gaston Ramirez or somebody else, which I may or may not have done. And like I said, I don't know if you're going to hear it on the show because I can edit. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. And all music comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. I'd just like to say once again, thank you for listening. If you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It really does help other people find out about the show. Thank you all again. We'll talk to you next week. And uh, until then, remember that together, we march on. Thank you.